Hello there. Thank you for joining us again on The Beauty and the Brain. For those of you who may have missed us the last couple of weeks, we are Alina and Maddie, aka The Beauty and the Brain, and we are here to bring Botox and Bravo to the table for your next dinner party. Think of it as us bringing basic bitch topics into the intellectual sphere. Alina, I need to tell you, I had my second session for my laser hair stuff. Um, but it was tell for me my, about it, babe. I am so done. So it was for my face because they had to do it. I'm sure you know the like regulatory stuff where it's like if you've tweezed, like you have to wait four weeks before you can actually do your session. So I had to do it separate from my session with like the bottom part of my body. And with your vagina, you mean you had to separate your vag from your fucking face. I hope so. Thank you. Yes. (laughs) So I told her, I was like, look, like, I just want to do like my chin and like my upper lip. Like, you know, like I actually like, like hair there. I've never noticed my chin. Yeah. Are you fucking kidding me? I'm like a gorilla. Are you serious? (laughs) You haven't noticed before. No, you do a great job of keeping it tweezed. Oh my God. Well, I also like thread at home myself. So yeah. You know how to thread? Yeah. It's like a very like North African thing. Like Betty, I know I've you for a hundred years and I didn't know that you know how to thread. Monday when I see you in person, so excited about that, by the way, you're threading my fucking eyebrows because I have not been, I'm not kidding. I haven't gotten my eyebrows done. You're going to be horrified. Are you ready for this? Since before we were in a pandemic. Wait, seriously? And I don't tweeze my eyebrows. <laughs> so I don't really like have hair that grows. It's like visible. Yeah. I feel but like, like it could be clean. It could be clean. No, that's just the microblading. No, but it, it could it could be clean. <laughs> that's just the foul, you No, but they need a little cleaning. Oh my God, I'm putting you to work. I'm so excited. Sorry. Okay, so go back. So you did your face. Tell me about it. What happened? Did you love it? Did you hate it? You sound horrified. Alina, I'm so fucking irritated. I went in there and I was like, yeah, so like to my upper lips and like my chin area, like up to, up to this point, she was like, oh, do you want to do your forehead? And I was like, no, I was like, actually, I really love my baby hairs, like, like on here on the sides and on the top, like I'm totally fine with my baby hairs, just like do my chin. And my lips. She was like, oh, so like, don't do your sideburns. <gasps> Bitch. What? The audacity. What? Wait. <laughs> like my so baby hairs. And she was like, sideburns? The fuck? I like sat there and I just like gave her the death stare because I was like, these are baby hairs. Like these are not side as if I'm like a 65-year-old man with like grizzly fucking sideburns. So like I'm mortified now. I don't know if I can go back. I mean, I'll go back, but like still you can't have to go back. No, I'm dead. I'm literally dying. That was not what I was expecting you to say. I thought you were gonna say, like, oh, it hurt. I didn't like it. I was, you know, we talked about how you were like a little itchy after because your skin's so dry. Um, no, but I'm dead. <laughs> the audacity. Fine. You don't have sideburns. Seriously, like I, I may not have noticed your chin strap before. <laughs> Sorry, I had to. I had to. No. You you don't have sideburns. I promise you don't have sideburns. Baby hairs. I li- was like, I'm wait, like, okay. I have some- wait, look at this. My sideburn is my sideburn is full blown. Actually, if we're talking about sideburns, wow. Oh man, believe it. I was like, I like literally jaw to the floor. Like, bitch, what? I like, I wanted to kill someone in that moment. Wait, that <laughs> like, is amazing. I'm- you know that I'm not like super into like how I look. I don't put much effort into like the way that I look and I'm shit. So beautiful. Um, no, stop it. But you know, like I just look like. Oh my god, I hate you so much. But you know, like I just like it doesn't concern me. I'm like whatever. I look how I look. It is what it is. So like the you fact know, that I'm I was say that you you love like a good slutty outfit. First of all, you love a good red lip. True. True. And 
I clean up yeah. well. And, and when, your face when is I just fucking flawless, so you don't Stop. have to worry about it. Stop. But the well, fact of the matter is, my lip fillers, <laughs> my fucking microneedling. Like honestly, I've probably paid for like my dermatologist new office. He literally expanded. He doubled in size. He went from just being him to having like 17 fucking men's like PAs below him and stuff. And it's, it's amazing. And I'm like, Oh, I think I literally paid for every single one of their salaries. Um, my God, just my needling alone therapy. Okay. But okay. So you have to go back. Stop. Just, you don't need to do your face. I think that's the problem. I just like died though. The, the fact of the matter is I went in and I was like, yeah, you know, like my baby hairs, I'm totally fine with it. Like, I don't want to like laser it off, whatever. The fact that she said sideburns and mind you, like I said, I'm not super into how I look. Like there are points where it's like, I clean up well when I do care, but the fact that she said sideburns, Alita, she said sideburns. <laughs> <laughs> like over here trying to <laughs> I mean, that's a little harsh. That's you don't have sideburns. You need to see a new lady that you feel comfortable with. Because I mean, if she's gonna be all up in your fucking vagina, I'd hope that you like her. I'm assuming that you're doing a full Brazilian. And if you're not, you need to do a full Brazilian. Sorry, I'm not about the landing strip. I just are you about a landing strip, by the way? Gotta ask that question since we're on the topic of laser hair removal. What are your thoughts um, on the landing strip? I feel so- like you could be about that. I don't know why I feel that way. I'm actually very okay with being au naturel down there. Um, and I'll tell you why, because I feel like it goes through waves. Like, I feel like au naturel is coming back. And I feel like a lot of people are very much against Brazilians and against like complete hair removal because people are like, why would you want me to look like a prepubescent child? So I'll put it this way. If a bush comes back, if a landing strip comes back, if anything other than being a prepubescent girl comes back, I am fucked because I, I like, here's the, I'm naturally really hairy as well. However, mm. I have lasered my entire body since I, and I started when I was like 17. Like, I'm not oh kidding. You had to go on like a fucking safari through my pubes. Like I was <laughs> I, like, I'm a very, no, no, seriously. Like my, my pubes were so thick. Like it, it was not an option to be like, oh, it's like a little tuft. No, it was not. It was literally the jungle or a small child. And I personally, like, I, I just prefer to not. So I'm screwed. I, yes, I agree with you. And that's why I was saying like, oh, landing, maybe, are you down or you're not down? I'm interested though, because like it, it never occurred to me to keep my bush because my bush mm. was, was literally the Amazon. So it would not have been pretty for anybody if I had kept that thing. No, see, I'm hear, not, like, like I'm not- the sounds of the rainforest in there. <laughs> you hear like the fucking chimpanzee, the bonobos, you hear the bonobos in the background and it's- <laughs> Oh God, we're so out of no, pocket, so but I love true. it. It's so, it's no, it's, it's honest to God. Um, so, okay. Well, I'm excited for you. So what are you doing? Your legs? Yeah. So I'm doing do your legs. Ass- you got to do your asshole at least. Wow. Alina, should I do my asshole? I didn't pay for my asshole. I literally just paid for like full leg, like bikini area, not full bag. Okay. And then like my face minus my sideburns. <laughs> my chin chap god how much wine have we had um it's like i wanted my chin strap and my mustache done but not my sideburns please leave those i like them no but honestly um no 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 so i don't know if they would do your butthole if you're not doing a full brazilian they must right they'll do anything um yeah. i mean none of it's fun none of it's fun but also, I mean, you have the option, so maybe consider it. Yeah. Oh, I don't so know. I need to go for a touch up on my legs. I have like, I have like probably 50 hairs on both legs and it's just annoying. Cause there's like tiny patches where it clearly like just didn't take. Mm. Um, but I mean, I, I did my, I did my laser hair removal over, over in Hong Kong, like years ago. And it was oh, a great, God. honestly, the greatest decision I ever made. I used to have to shave my legs like twice a day. 
Oh, I, for me, it's like once a day, but I feel like even after one session, I've noticed such a massive difference where it's like my legs now can go like two days and two, three days without like any actual stubble there. And I'm just like, oh my God, I love this. Oh my God. I, I literally am having like PTSD for the days that I had to shave my legs like one to two times a day to not, and I would still have stubble actually. It's not to not have stubble. Um, I don't, I, so I get my eyebrows done once every six years. Um, and that's just because I overplucked them so much in the early 2000s, trying to look like Christina Aguilera circa dirty, um, that they just don't grow anymore. And, Interesting. um, but no, I, I'm not kidding. I, I probably shave my legs, save for those like little areas, really like around my ankles, the areas where I get mm. some hair. Um, I probably shave my legs once every seven weeks. Interesting. Just wait. I want an update in six weeks. This is life you know changing. What? I want to actually pay for, and this is going to sound so gross, but like your toe hair, like that's one of the things that I can't fucking stand. And like, I want to pay for that now. Wait, I'm dead. I am dead. Also love that we're talking about this because <laughs> I've had toe hair my whole life and I've been so ashamed of it. And I was like, am I a man? What's happening? Um, I don't even know if my husband knows that I have toe hair, but, um, I convinced somebody to like laser it off one time. I was like, Oh, you're already down there by my ankles. Can you just do my toe hair too? Um, I might ask next session. Yeah. I, I want to do that too. I mm. haven't done it, but I did it once. Sorry. I did it once and I just never followed up with it, but no, I get really angry when I'm like, Oh my God, I just went to get a pedicure. And this bitch was probably like, who is this gorilla coming in here with these, like we could braid her toe hair. <laughs> Cause I don't shave my legs a lot. So I don't really like look at my toes that closely. Yeah. Um, well report back, please. Yeah. I, I mean, I'll let you know. I just, I want to get rid of it, you know? Um, and now I'm going to like ask about my asshole too. So thank you for that feedback. <laughs> you got to do it. Like you may as well, you may as well look like I, I support you keeping the, the bush. I mean, if you really I keep to. it trimmed down there, Alina, Jesus Christ. <laughs> I'm not kidding. I literally went from a fucking safari to being bold. So I, I don't like, I feel like I missed that part. Right. Like I was also young. Cause I was like, not dealing with this the rest of my life. Um, yeah, that seems like a lot of work. So much yeah. easier. You know, I gotta like swipe a couple times every once in a while, but it's so much better. It's just, it's just more comfortable for me personally, but mm-hmm. I'm excited for you. Oh Welcome to the world. I can't wait till I can oh. get Botox and fillers. I feel and- like our audience members, <laughs> I love that little musical jingle. Um, I think our audience members are just like, over the long term, we're gonna see you convert me to be a complete like LA to all the things. <laughs> um next up liposuction and then like getting tits and then <laughs> you know how I feel about all those things. One day, one day when I don't have to pay for to hear the wine. <laughs> yes, I hear when the I, wine. <laughs> when I don't have to um when I don't have to pay for like this house falling down around me. Oh, um Christ, maybe then house. I'll be able to to get boobs. Mm. And all of the above. Um, well, okay. on that note, we need to move on to our basic bitch quickies. Yeah. And so- I lost my, I lost my phone, and I'm going to be a timekeeper for once. I'm very excited about this. Yeah, um, because we do have like a very like I feel like long episode ahead of us. So, um, we will do this quickly. Um, so BBQs are basic bitch quickies for those who are joining us maybe for the first time is where we do a lightning round of top headlines for the week and give a quick top of mind thoughts about it. Um, so I've already pulled a few for this week and we're going to go ahead and get your input on it, Alina. Um, start. Okay. Ready? Let's fucking do it. And okay. as soon as you say, wait, okay, sorry. So now that I'm implementing the the alarm to actually shut us up. Mm-hmm. Um, you say the, you say the title or you say the headline and mm-hmm. then I'll press start. Cool. Okay. Brittany finally free. Oh, here we go. I mean, Brittany, I, I am so fucking happy for her that Jamie has finally been officially removed. Right. Um, I feel like it's just the, it's the first step in her, regaining her independence that being said girl stop posting nude fucking photos on instagram the second 
you get a little bit of freedom because I'm no, I'm seriously so fearful. They're going to be like, Oh, she's actually unhinged and not posting a nude photo or whatever with emojis covering your tits and stuff is, is, is unhinged. But like, I just don't want her to risk it all when she is so close to getting what she wants. What do you think? Oh no, hundred percent with you on that one. I saw the photo and I was just like, Oh, I really love this. Like she's feeling so free. You know what I mean? Like feeling like she can finally take steps towards what she wants and what she likes to do. But yeah, I mean, I'm kind of agree with you. Not that I believe in any way, shape or form that like nudity is a precursor or a factor that should at all contribute to her case. Um, but like knowing that the society that we live in, unfortunately, I feel like we have to be a little bit cautious, Brittany, just a little bit, just until everything blows over and then go live your best fucking life because I'm here for it. You know what I mean? It's like, not everyone's going to be a playboy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Close goes for, whoa, <laughs> go pose for playboy. Go do what you got to do. Go Look. take that trip. Go get naked. I like Go be with do. Sam. Go get married to the love of your life. Like, go take your idea out. Yes. Take your idea out. No, but seriously, I, I'm just actually like a little bit concerned that it feels like every time she gets an inch, like she does take a mile. And I feel like, unfortunately, this particular situation, like, you've got to play it. You know, she's been really lucky. Yeah. That she has all the yeah. support. Um, but, you know. Oh. oh. Good timing. Proud of us. Okay. Okay. What's the next one? Next one. Meghan Markle and Harry blasted for using 21 private jets while talking about climate. Okay. I've never pressed a button so fast in my life. So couple of thoughts here. (laughs) How I feel about Meghan and Harry. Uh, You also know that I am like a kind of sort of fake-ish tree hugger. Um, Like I recycle, even though I know guys recycling is not the end all be all. I know that I think it's you something shit like on me for using an espresso. So yes, continue. <laughs> I went and got one. I'm so sorry. I, I did. Um, by the way, for the record, this is not on topic, but I did try to get one of the reusable espresso pods to use the coffee. It's terrible. Yeah, shit. Anyway, yeah. anyway, I just, again, stop being such a fucking hypocrite. Everything about these two is hypocritical. Like Oh, we don't want to be in the media eye or the, the, the public eye. Let's go sign a media deal and make, create a media company. Oh, we care about climate change. Let's go use 21 private jets in like a very short period of time. I have a lot of problems with that, but I'm going to turn it over to you because I'm using it. I will say some of these like companies are trying to be at, um, what is it like a neutral zone? Like they'll like be like, Oh, we've signed a deal to be carbons, carbon neutral. Exactly. So like, even though they may be flying these amounts, what they're doing is part of their policies to find carbon neutrality somewhere else to like basically make it equivalent in some way, shape or form. Um, do I agree that it's hypocritical? Yes. But like, think about celebrity culture in general. Think about like all of these fucking celebrities who are on private. Leonardo DiCaprio has a fucking nonprofit about climate change. He's flying private jets everywhere. Like this whole celebrity world and the people that are up in these upper echelons, they don't give a shit. Bezos, Musk, like these people who are, you know, shooting themselves off to the fucking moon, they're not putting money towards trying to be carbon neutral and saving the fucking planet. They don't care. Um, I hate to say it. Oh, sorry. I can uh, No, I know, I know. Oh, oh, how does that okay? Okay. Next okay. article. I almost just gave us five minutes. Okay, sorry, gotta go back. I was so excited. <laughs> what next article? Oh, this one is like so juicy. I love seeing all the TikTok videos that are like shitting. Three minutes. Should we get that? We should give it three should minutes. Should we get three minutes? Yeah. yeah okay, yeah. fine. Done. Okay. Kylie, I think we bought. Hold on. Kylie Jenner is being called out for her lack of integrity as a business owner and scathing reviews dragging her new swimmer lane for its terrible quality and poor inclusivity. Time has started. Okay. I would never buy a Kylie Jenner swimsuit primarily because I don't have boobs. I don't have hips. Um, I don't have an ass and yeah, but, um, with that, I'm like, not surprised. And the reason being is like, does anybody recall when Kylie Lipkits first came out and there was a whole mm-hmm. thing about how her lip kits were 
shockingly, or maybe not so much, the same exact product as ColourPop. ColourPop, which was sold for like $6, a fucking lip gloss. And then Kylie was selling it for like 23 or 28 or something Mm -hmm. like that. Like, and I remember back when we first, like where we met at our job, one of our teammates was like, oh my God, you have to try this ColourPop stuff. It's just like Kylie's lip kits. We were all fucking swapping ColourPop like no other. Remember? Remember. Also, but also ColourPop though, whatever color you had on your fucking face, you would wipe it off and it would turn your face hot pink for like three days. Do you remember that too? Do you remember that? I remember like came to work and my lips were like bubblegum pink and people were like, oh, that's what's going on. And I was like, I I don't know. I use like a brown. He's like a bait, like a nude color pop last night. Um, so clearly it wasn't the same exact formula, but I mean, these it, people all use the same vendors. Like, I hate to say it, but it's the truth. Like a lot of these beauty brands, they're all coming out of the same fucking factories in our favorite country in the world. Um, no, <laughs> like it's, I think, I think generally speaking, um, it's, it's, I mean, it's sad and I, I don't disagree with all that, but I don't know. I just, I guess I would hope that like, Kylie, you know, that you're going to sell your shit out in the first like four and a half minutes. If that mm-hmm. of dropping something, you're not charging. It's not like, you're not like being like, Hey, I'm going to be here for the people and charge you $20 a fucking swimsuit. You're charging. I think it's like $80 a piece, which is not, not the most expensive. That's still, it's expensive. It's not, it's not cheap, but it's not the most expensive swimsuit, but to have an $80 piece of clothing show up at your fucking doors and be see-through mm-hmm. like it's, it's, it's like, ridiculous. Yeah. No, I, I like not. Okay. Not okay. And do you think really quickly? Cause I feel like we're, we've almost did our three minutes. Um, do you think that she can recover from this? Do you think that people are going to like question her in the future? Oh, I don't think so. I think she'll just like she has like such a loyal following. I don't really think that this will impact her as much. I think a lot of people will stop buying from her and then she'll come out with some press release being like, oh, we've improved the quality and then people start buying it again. I also think what's interesting is like, I don't know if you've seen the videos. It is absolute trash. The quality of these swimsuits see-through. The stitching is terrible. Like you have shit that's coming out of it, like plastic film. Like I don't know how she allowed this and gave an approval on quality control, but that's my last. Well, she, okay. I know that we're over time per usual, but I, what she's going to do, she's going to be like, what? That's not what I approved. And then she's not going to take the fall, but the reality is she definitely approved that shit. Of course. And then she's she like fast fashion. Like, exactly. I think she's going to give credit for like 50% or something like that. And then oh, 100%. Like, oh, order another one. It'll be better. Yeah. Um, okay. So now that we've finished our BBQs, um, do you want to get us to start it on our topic of the week? I literally attract my sleep and I feel like my sleep has like my sleep quality has gone down because of what we're talking about this week. So this week we're going to talk about squid game, Mm. AKA the new South Korean show or K drama, which by the way, I love K-dramas that Netflix is saying might actually be like their biggest show ever. So there's a part of me that really loves that you recommended this show, right? Like there's so much to it, like from the filming to the lighting, to the symbolism, to the, I mean, you know, that it was a media studies. Well, I was a double major at Berkeley, but like media studies was really my passion because I really loved film. So for me, this was like so vibrant and really tickled my brain in that aspect. Oh but then God, there was <laughs> Tickled my brain. Sorry. Tickled my brain. Um, but there was another part of me that really fucking hated you. And that was the anxious part of me that was like, oh, fuck you, Alina. Why would you do this to me? Well, I had to redeem myself after clickbait because <laughs> I fucking hated that. So I had to redeem myself. And also I I'm like, I I feel like very, very rarely do I stay up past my bedtime of like 10 30. That's obsessing true. over shows. And I stayed up until, oh, I did it for a clickbait. I did. Um, but I think that in retrospect, that was more about like, I just need to know what happened because I couldn't figure it out on my own. Mm-hmm. But I was so obsessed with this show. I did watch it over a couple of days. Um, but I it, like, and, and I, I also, I don't love 
thrillers. I hate horror, as you know, but I, I love like this show. And I know you do. And that's why I was like, mm-hmm. you're going to like this, but I don't like violence. Um, but this show is like, you know, it's, it's saw meets hostile meets hunger games meets mm-hmm. so know. many things. So what's interesting is, is this show reminded me of a movie that I'd watched on Netflix a while back. It's not in a Netflix originally, I don't think, but it's something along the lines of like the last dinner party or something like that. And it was around the same premises, right? Rich people getting poor people to basically go through these like games, if you will, and that are somewhat torturous um, to and basically testing their limits for money, right? Um, but it was a Western film, and it actually argued that this show is way above anything that you mentioned earlier from Saw to Hostile to Hunger Games, and even this movie that I'm talking about. And um, it's really like a piece of social commentary, but like a social commentary art in the medium of a television series. And I'm not going to lie, my nerd really came out while I was watching this show. And I was taking notes in Apple Notes while I was watching it because of how symbolic so much of it was. And I will say, too, I think this show, because it is a South Korean show, there's a lot related to the Asian culture that many people wouldn't be as cognizant of. And I'm sure that there's a lot that I missed as well, but I took a, um, I did comparative politics at Berkeley. And that's the only reason why I'm probably a little bit familiar with like Asian culture and sort of Asian, um, norms, norms in a sense that like some of aspects of the show really hit home for me. Um, but like, wow, I was really blown away, like truly blown away. I mean, I I was more (laughs) feeling I was, I agree with you wholeheartedly that it was clearly about social commentary and there was, there were so many layers to the show, but clearly I'm not the brain of this podcast. So, um, (laughs) for me, I was just like, oh my God, what happens? Who wins? Does he die? Um, but the fact that you were taking notes, I'm, I'm very interested to hear what notes you were taking. What did you think? So like, well, I think you should give us, I think what you should do is at least give us like a cursory view of what the show is about. So we can actually get into it. Okay. Okay. So a spoiler alert, 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 alert. I don't know. (laughs) Or something. Um, Okay. So basically the show starts off with this guy, Gyun, I think is his name. Um, Sorry, my Korean. It's not that great. Um, and he is kind of like a deadbeat, right? He's a gambler. He is a deadbeat dad that kind of forgets about his, his, not kind of, he does he forgets about his daughter's birthday and he steals money from his mother and her bank account to go and buy his daughter a gift and take her out to dinner. And then of course goes and blows all the money, gets his money stolen by a pickpocket and then, um, uh, ends up like kind of disappointing everybody around him. He then gets propositioned in like a train station um, with a game. And the guy is like, oh, if you win, you have to give me 100,000 won. And if I win, I have to give you 100,000 won. Clearly, Gion loses like every time. And then the guy's like, he's like, oh, shit, I don't have any money to give you. And he's like, it's fine. I'll slap you. And I'll basically, every time you, you lose, I'll slap you. So by the end of the story, sorry, I feel like it's like a very in-depth detailed overview of it, but I feel like it's relevant. Um, by the end of that, Gihun is like up, I don't know how many won, but he's up a little bit, right? Because he's let this guy slap him. And then, um, the guy tells him, Hey, if you're interested in doing this further, we're doing more of these games, call this number. So, um, Gihun is like, no, I'm not doing that. Blah, 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 blah. Like, what are you crazy? And then lo and behold, he finds himself in a situation where he really needs money. So he calls, he goes, um, he's drugged. He's taken to this place and they're like, all you have to do is survive six days or you have to play six days of games. And, um, at the end you'll win 46 billion won, which is 38 million US dollars. 38 and a half million. Oh, sorry. <laughs> 38 and a half million US dollars. Uh, I mean, after taxes, I'm used to, you know, no, I'm joking. Uh, so, so basically, um, and then the first game happens and it's red light, green light. And the guy, or rather anybody who is caught moving 
when the time, you know, like Simon says, turns around or whatever it is, um, they get shot and you're fucking dead. Yeah. So that's kind of the premise of the story is that you have to survive these games over yeah. six days until childhood games to win the money. Yeah. That was um, really but I feel like relevant. Oh, very, very relevant. I think this show was fascinating to me because the way that they start off the show is kind of showing his life in the sense of like all the things that are playing against him. You know, he's a deadbeat dad. He's like under extreme levels of debt because of the loan that he owes. He's getting beaten up in public. Um, he's gambling in hopes that he can make the money um, somehow to like pay off his debts miraculously. It's just, he's very down on his luck, but I feel like this show I mean, I don't even know how to vocalize it because there's so much that was there. There was the social commentary aspect of, you know, social inequality from income, from race, disability, sex. And you see this playing out in all different ways throughout the show. Um, And in particular, like social class. Um, So for those who have not watched it, I apologize. We are going to spoil the shit out of the show for you. So please, if you're interested in more of the analysis, stay by all means. Um, But there's really a lot when it comes to social class. Uh, And in particular, you see this with, you know, the games that are being played, who is managing these games? What are the logistics there? And it's done by the rich people, the rich Western people, because it's these people that are speaking English while everyone else is speaking Korean, which I thought was really interesting. Well, they were fat uh, white men. Oh, yes. Fight white, fat white men. But there was one Korean that was there, I believe, and he was wow. speaking Korean. And so this is why I find it very interesting that when the villains, quote unquote, villains um, show up that are sort of the the rich fuckers who are watching these games play out as a form of entertainment, they are, they're all speaking in English. Like there's a reason why they did that. It's to kind of almost demonize the West, I think. Um, So there's that layer of it. There's also the layer of like financial inequality, but in the sense of like the way that they showcased, I think in the second episode that they titled Hell. Um, And it showcased, so for those who didn't watch it, you know, they play the first game. The first game then showcases participants that like, holy shit, you can actually physically die while playing these. This isn't just like, we're fighting for money. This is like, you can actually die while playing this game. So one of the participants that actually read the contract that they had signed, he was like, well, if the majority agree to not no longer play, then we will go ahead and, you know, vote on it, on whether or not we want to stay or not. And so they, the majority end up voting to not continue playing the game. So they release them. You then see in the second episode, sort of the storylines of the misery that each one actually lives in their current life. They show you how in debt they are, how miserable they are. The circumstances of their livelihood is just absolutely awful. awful exactly awful that they end up agreeing to come back knowing that they could potentially lose their lives playing these games. And I thought that was fascinating showcasing that like the level of income inequality and the rhetoric or narrative around how shitty capitalism is. And what I also thought was fascinating is that um, like people were willing to give up their own lives just to make money so that they could have some level of comfort. Like they were so desperate that they'd be willing to do this. And it reminded me of this whole trend that was going on for a while about how, you know, income inequality in the U S for example, has surpassed the era of the French revolution. Like we have surpassed like levels of desperation that caused people to fucking guillotine people in the streets. You know what I mean? So can you tell us a little bit more about that? Like just about like the French revolution and yeah. So there were lots of things that played into the French revolution, but one of the things was sort of income inequality that the 10% had owned majority of the wealth in the country and the land in the country. And, um, people just were not able to afford to eat. Um, and so they were actually getting the rich and guillotining them in the streets of Paris, um, the rich, the wealthy, the aristocratic, um, 
and it didn't matter. It was just like, you were, you know, overdoing it with your wealth. You didn't give a fuck about us as a people. We couldn't afford even bread. We're going to go ahead and slit and like fucking chop your head off. Um, and we are now worse off in regards to economics and income inequality in the U S than, than what basically spiraled off the French revolution. Fun facts. But all I'm saying is that That's it kind so of plays. It really is. It really is fucking alarming. And it's kind of alarming how like everyone is like still not as angry as people were back then. But I also think what is really funny is that how he painted that level of misery that is so similar to that. And instead of like fighting the system, people were like, okay, I'll be willing to risk my life for all of this money. And I'll play this game and put my life um, in danger. Literally. Yeah. Yeah. Wild. I mean, I, you know, I've been in debt in my, in my past, I didn't really understand what a credit card was. And I will say that there were times when I feel like I was young. So the majority of the time it was just throw your head in the sand and pray to God that someone else will like deal with it. And so I clearly wasn't knock on wood fortunate enough that, you know, I was able to get out of it before anything like that happened to me. Um, but I, I also understand the idea and concepts of holy shit my life is over. How is it ever going to resolve? Um, and it's fucking scary. Like, I think that it, it is a system that keeps certain people down and, yeah. um, it's very, it's very, very, very scary, but I, I yeah. continue. Sorry. No, 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 no. That's all I'm saying. I thought what was fascinating too, is that you see not just income inequality being played out here, but as the games continue, you see teams starting to form and they not only show income inequality, right. But they're also showing disability. Like Ollie, who is one of the characters who was Muslim. I know I loved him too. He was Muslim. So already he was being discriminated against. There's also this whole thing about like Pakistani, Indian, like there's certain um, racial groups that will go find work in other countries and they're typically mistreated because they're considered lower than, which is terrible, but it's kind of just the way that the cultural norm is, which is fucking horrifying. I mean, not to cut you off, but like I literally used to work overseas and it was very, 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 I would say, I don't know if it's maybe because there's so much less, um, diversity on a you know Mm -hmm. other countries no it is definitely a very real thing um and i think that for you know ollie's character what they were showcasing is that there's this inequality when it comes to race and there's Mm -hmm. this inequality when it comes to disabilities because he did have at one point they were um trying to pick a team for a game and I think it was Sangu who basically told him, hide your hand because he had like three fingers cut off. So it was like, you were considered less than because of your disability. So it was already showcasing this inequality when it comes to all of these other factors. And you see it as well with women where they're like, oh, you know, like we don't need women. We need strong men instead in order to play the next game. Um, you also have it about age. Like nobody wanted to pick Ilnam, who was one of the older participants in the game, because it was like, well, what can he really contribute to? He's an old man. There's no strength. You know, his brain is already going, et cetera, et cetera. So there were so many different things that were playing along the themes of inequality that I thought were fascinating. Even when it came to the guards, like there was an inequality because there was a hierarchy. It's like, you can't speak unless you're spoken to by a higher up. You cannot remove your mask. You cannot interact with one another. Like it was, this show was wild. Yeah. I mean, there were so many, so many things that I feel like I I like wish they would have explained. Like what was the circle versus the triangle versus the square in the guards? Um, it reminded me of PlayStation. I, <laughs> I'll be honest. I didn't think about that. I think that does make sense um, yeah. given the context of the game. But yeah, no, I mean, I I agree. Yeah, they're like, you've said it all so well. Um, the only thing I, 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 I did like that they were like, okay, like you're going to be, discriminated against because you have three fingers and because you're a woman and because you are an old man with a brain tumor. But I also like that they kind of 
celebrated the people that gave them the opportunity at the same time, right? They were like, oh, hey, Gian, you're going to make it to the end and we're going to cheat to let you in in the marble game because you were nice to the old man. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, that was all, I think, a really, really nice way of almost like it's again, it's like, it's like a childhood lesson of like, be nice to others. Okay. So I have this theory. So one of my questions was actually like, why the childhood games, right? Like, why did they use these childhood games as like a forum for the actual entertainment piece? Okay. And I think that for you, it's really sweet that you took it that way. For me, I have my own personal theory about why they chose childhood games and it's a little bit more fucked up. Oh God. (laughs) I never would have been like the positive one in the group. (laughs) Sometimes I think you are though. Um, But my good intent, you know where I got that from. So (laughs) assume good intent. Fuck that. No, I'm just kidding. Fuck that, Um, that bitch. Um, so, you know, childhood is typically like synonymous with innocence, naivete, etc. Um, which of course is like the complete opposite of what we kind of see in the messaging of this show and how they go about like playing the childhood games, right? Like it's, you're bringing adults and bringing a very vicious tone to these games. Mm-hmm. So we see inequality across sex ableism, age, race, etc. And it's exacerbated when you see them kind of picking and choosing members of their teams, which showcases that though these are childhood games and the goal is equality because they made this whole big hubbubaloo about equality and they killed people based on like, oh, we need to make sure that it's equal footing for everyone. Mm-hmm. Um, so the whole goal was equality and how they play and they and the way that they set it up, they've organized it because they are like, everyone has to be on an equal playing field. But that isn't really the case because if you think about it, these things are ingrained from a very early age in our childhood to pick and choose your teammates. I don't know about you, but I was a little fat kid in elementary school. So I was always last picked because people were like, she won't be able to run and be able to play the game well on our behalf in these like, you know, team situations. So it's like from an early age, you were taught that in order to win in these types of games, you have to pick and choose people that will uphold and be able to pursue and be able to excel in the ways that you need them to in order to win. Um, so it's not just something that we, huh? I was just say, this is literally like you diving so deep into something that I was just like, oh, it's a childhood game. They were like, you think it's easy, but it's not. And mm-hmm. yeah, okay. it's like it's not just something that we deal with as adults right like you and I have definitely experienced sexism in the workplace definitely some sort of well at least for me I've definitely I can't speak for you I know that you are half Asian but for me as an Afro-Arab I've definitely experienced some like racism in the workplace like these things we as adults have dealt with but truly it's ingrained from a really early fucking age it's not just something like I feel like that's what the show was trying to showcase by utilizing the childhood games like we're just oversized children with just more experience and exposure to these inequalities when you think about it. Did not ever cross my mind to be honest, to be honest with you, but I no, I feel like you make such an interesting point. Um, wow. Like, I feel like, like, I feel like I'm literally like, like speechless. I'm like, holy shit, wait. <laughs> right this is why Um, people love watching shit with me because I overanalyze the shit out of these things but like it's kind of true when you think about it it makes sense right yeah so so okay so to clarify I I obviously thought that they were addressing the whole concept of discrimination with the way that they were selecting their teams and blah 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 and it was clear it was clearly about like it was it was about human instinct, right? Like pick, pick 10 people. Who are you going to pick? Pick, pick one person. You're going to go for the person you trust and then you have to kill that person. Right. So they did that all to fuck with you. 
didn't occur to me though, that like, yeah, you are taught this at a young age. And I wonder though, because like, to be honest, I don't know, New York city public education. Um, we, I had like gym class, I swear to God, once a year whether the teacher would be like, we reserve the gym. Let's go down and play with that like big rainbow parachute thingy. And that mm-hmm. like, I never, ever, ever did gym. Mm. Sports, you know that I don't, I don't, I don't run. Um, so I never, I never played a sport either. So I guess I, I, like I was a little fat round child, but I never experienced that kind of discrimination because I just, I just was lucky enough that I wasn't put in that situation. So, um, oh girl, no, I, was... kids, I watch those shows and I'm like, oh my, or like movies. I'm like, oh my God, yeah. are kids that mean? I know kids are mean. But I'm very lucky I didn't experience that, even though I was like a round child. Kids are heinous. Kids are fucking assholes, I will say, from my own experience. (laughs) I want to, I'm really upset about that. Um, Uh, It's life. But like, it is an interesting concept that I bring up. I do want to actually ask you, as I was like reading more about the show, because as you know, I was very... um, it tickled my brain in a lot of different ways. And I wanted to see if other people were finding sort of similar theories as me. And so there's a lot of fan theories out there that I was like, okay, I want to get Alina's input on this. Um, So one of the theories is that Ilnam and Gihun are actually father and son. And I'll explain why. I'll explain why. Um, So both are allergic to milk in the show Asian thing no 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 no. but Ilnam talks about so I guess at one point they were giving them milk and he asked if he get chocolate milk because he's lactose intolerant and Ilnam was like oh basically something along the lines of like you remind me of my son who was also lactose intolerant then there was another thing about similar birthdays so Ilnam asked him like oh what day is it is it the 24th oh, it's close to my son's birthday. And if you look earlier on in the show, when he grabbed his mother's like ATM card to try to grab money to start gambling with, he used his birthday, which was 0426. Okay. And then when they were playing the marble game, the both of them were just like, oh, like he was like, oh, I grew up in a neighborhood with this. And Ilnam was like, oh yeah, like I raised my son in a neighborhood like this. So like already what? there's similarities there. And then Ilnam actually talks about his son. He was like, oh, I used to watch my son play. So like maybe he was watching from like the sidelines because he wasn't involved in his son's life. Why would he let his son stay poor? I don't know. Over so that you could create this fucking shit show. I don't know. Okay. I just feel like it's like a good fan theory though. I'm not going to lie. I think it is really good. Fan theory. And I think that that could also be just trying to think through this. Why Ilnam took to him while, he, why he kept him alive, blah, 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 blah. Why he was one. And then the other one was the last 456. Yes. Maybe, I don't know if that has, maybe. Um, and then like, even when he was well, on his why deathbed, would you your he, child, like live like that. Well, there was like a lot there. I know I agree with you, but there was one piece where he basically told him like at the end when Ilman was dying and he told them, or uh, Gihun was asking him, why did you want to play with me? Why did you do et cetera, et cetera with me? And he was like, I had fun playing with you. And I was just like, like, I feel like that plays into the narrative around him being potentially his son. Okay. I'm not angry at it. It's an interesting theory. Um, the other one was, and I know that I had texted you early on in the show and I was just like, oh my God, I feel like the guards are also people who were like forced into this situation. I thought that too. So apparently the second fan theory is that the color that contestants selected during the open subway game, which was, what was it? Dukji? Um, it determined whether they became a player or a worker. What's the evidence behind that? 
Um, so I didn't really find any evidence behind that. I think it has something to do with the actual like Korean cultural aspect of the game, but I thought it was still an interesting premise. Um, I also you know, think- wait, mm-hmm. sorry, not to cut you off, but at the, in the last scene when he sees the the, the same guy doing it, mm-hmm. the guy also picked red. Yeah. Sorry, yeah. just throwing that out there. No, it's it's a good thing um, that you noted that. I also think what's interesting too is the way the reason why I think that the workers are not being paid and that they're part of the actual experiment or entertainment is because of the fact that like they can't talk to anyone, they can't talk to each other, they cannot um, speak unless a superior talks to them. They are in prison like situations like the room that they're given is very prison like and on top of that um you know there's like the hierarchy of course and like if they show their face they get killed and because the main person removed his mask you know the guy who was wearing the black mask who was like the top of the top he removed his mask killed the cop who was his brother whatever and then put the mask back on and nobody did anything about it um, which I thought was interesting, but I do think that that's one of the reasons why these, I, I believe that these people are also part of the game or are not willing participate. They are willing in the sense that like, there's a money monetary thing, but the reason why they are workers versus participants is because it's only a certain level of debt that they have. They wouldn't be as desperate enough to participate in the actual games. Wait, I just, hold on. Now going back to the whole, what color you choose. Interesting because of the front man, that was his name, right? The front man, Mm -hmm. the black outfit man. Um, Interesting. Okay. I I can kind of get behind this idea now that maybe he chose blue Mm -hmm. and then he just kind of like rose to the ranks. And his brother thought, oh, I haven't seen my brother in however many, whatever. Interesting. Okay. Isn't that wild? I also think, you know, when I was texting you, I was like, oh, this reminds me of the Stanford prison experiment, um, which was an experiment done by in 1971 by Philip Zimbardo at Stanford University, where they... It was supposed to last two weeks. It ended up, they had to end it after six days because it got way too out of hand. Um, what is this thing? Oh my God. It, basically what they were doing was they were looking at how situational environment can affect behavior. And in particular in prison environments, like is it the environment that's making prison guards like sadistic or is it just in their nature to be sadistic against prisoners? Because- for me, and I think you and I had talked about this before, it's like, how could these people just like kill willy-nilly these other folks who are playing a game? Um, and that's why the prison experiment came to mind because um, part of the experiment was that he would assign people as prisoners or guards and he had them play it out, right? He would be like, okay, as prisoners, you have to play this role. And as guards, you have to play this role. Um, and it revealed basically how people will readily conform to the social roles that they're expected to play, AKA basically with a little nudge, that's all that it will take for you to become a fucking tyrant. Like, isn't that fucking depressing? I mean, Yes. But doesn't that make you think about like women conforming to social norms? Yeah. Because what we're told. Yeah. Everything is about social norms. Like we're told one thing, this is like the framework you need to operate within. Now go ahead and operate within it. But maybe that's like what humans need to to operate. Nope. At least I don't agree with that. Nope. Because like, think about it. I feel like within the framework that we're in, we're taught to believe like, oh, you should go to school, get higher education. As we both know, higher education doesn't mean fucking shit within the industry. Recruiter over here. Let me tell you, I'm not using my fucking degree in hospitality at medicine. At all. And I feel like that's when you start to realize like, oh, we're taught in a very specific framework for obedience. And then once you start to 
I think realize that there's a lot of frameworks that are put on us, then you start to realize like, oh, I can just kind of do whatever I want with my life. I don't need to follow these frameworks. To a degree. <laughs> I'm such a rule follower. Um, yeah, no, I mean, that's. It's kind of like the same thing with like what we talked about in the marriage stuff, right? Like people are just like, oh, this is the framework of marriage. This is what's expected. When in actuality, there are a lot of people who do not follow that framework and are living very happily together. You know what I mean? Uh-huh. Am I blowing your I'm mind today? Follower. Yeah, I'm a real follower. <laughs> I know you are. I know. I'm like, I would be like the little worker bee in the corner. Um, okay. Well, I feel like we have like time for one more thing. And with that said, where do we want to go with this? Do you want to talk about the organ trafficking or do you want to talk about Han Minyo and why she was so annoying and why she was so annoying and what did that mean? I'm just going to say one thing about the organ trafficking story. I just feel like there wasn't, like, I didn't understand why it was there. Did it make any sense? I thought there was going to be this whole, like, we're going to blow this story, you know, like, no, and nothing happened. I think like, and if all of that was done in order to bring it all around to, you're all supposed to be equal. Mm -hmm. That seems like bad writing. I feel like you could have done that in a lot less words. Um, I feel like I had to do something with the police officer's story. Probably that's why they included it, but it'll be interesting to see in the second season because I have a feeling they're definitely going to do a fucking second season. They'll probably explain a bit more. Yeah, I mean, A, that's, I think that that's the only reason why they ended it the way they did, which I'm not sure I was happy about. But also all the Easter eggs, right? Like the games that were actually drawn on the walls, which is wild, but yeah. also kind of unfair. They couldn't see what they were doing. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, no, I, I imagine that that was more of a, we're setting this up than anything else yep. also the police officer was really fucking stupid i'm not a trained police officer and i feel like i could have done a better job hiding the situation than he did basically. yeah i mean that's like another can of worms honestly i feel like we like, could talk about this show for like five thousand years and we still wouldn't get through yeah. it all because there was so much there okay but let's talk about honey new is that what her name was i, don't know. I, I, I feel so terrible that i'm like butchering these names i apologize for our viewers who may be korean i am the worst i know um yeah so she was, was really so annoying. i find it really interesting and i think that and you and i have talked about this before um about like attachment styles and i think she probably has a lot of traumas when it comes to males in her life and the way that she attaches to males. And this very much seems like an anxious attachment where you need love and validation from the person around you in order to be seen, in order to be heard, in order to feel validated. I mean, in order to live literally in this. Exactly. And she felt so (laughs) slighted by the guy that she was with, who was that gangster who she ended up sleeping with. So they had Jack, sort of, Jack Bow, right? Yes. They were together. He slept with her and then he ended up treating her like shit, treating her like garbage. And the way that an anxious attachment style typically goes about it is like they'll beg and plead and like try to reaffirm that person's love for them. And when that doesn't work out, which we obviously saw on the show, um, they will go to extremes to showcase they're better off without them. Okay. Yeah, basically. And that's kind of what led, she was like so off the rails deranged that she ended up killing him by like holding on to him and being like, bye. And then she just like went over the glass bridge. What a way to go. I mean, if you're going to go. Yeah, that shit was hilarious to me. I get it, right? Like she was annoying though. I wanted to like, like her. And every time I was like, Oh, okay. Maybe and I was like, no, you're really annoying. She was like the quintessential wounded child. And you could see that in how she, when they were all pairing up for the marble game, the way that she was like screaming and hollering about the fact that like, Oh, like you should like be with me and this, this, that, and like overcompensating. Like you could see that she had been neglected for most of her life. So there's a part of me that because of like my yeah. knowledge of, like the psychology behind attachment styles, I felt some level of sympathy for her, probably knowing a base level of the traumas that she probably experienced that led to her behavior. But yeah, no, she was annoying as fuck. 
Yeah. I just, I like wish she was a little bit more likable, but I also don't know if it would have worked if she was more likable. So I don't know. I have a lot of, I think people wanted the characters to be at equal levels, like her and the gangster that she was with. So that like, we would feel a sort of accomplishment when they both went over the glass bridge. I think that was intentional. Fair. So we weren't devastated. So we weren't devastated when say died. Oh my gosh. I can't even talk about it. Let's not talk about it. That was the worst. I got so anxious during that episode. And I remember texting you and I was like, Alina, I'm fucking done with this show. And you were like, wait, why? Because you were like off in a music festival somewhere. And I was like, Alina, I'm dying on my couch about I this. I Pearl Jam. You were like, get home and watch it. And I was like, okay. Yeah, no, I, I, I can't even talk about it. I was so upset. I was really mad. I was really, really, really mad. I thought that she was going to win it all and then take care of his mom for him. Mm-hmm. But I also should know from watching Parasite that K dramas don't ever end the way you think they're gonna. Never. I will say for the audience, man. People are saying, and I think this is like way out there. I don't agree with it, but there's another fan theory that says that she actually survived because usually when a character dies in the show, there will be someone on the audio, like on the comms that will be like blink audio, like whatever character died. And so they're just like, oh, like she probably escaped. And I was like, no, she got her throat yeah. slit. Like that is like a for sure thing. She's already um, dying. Her throat was slit. And then um, they showed her coffin being burned. Yeah, I know. And then, hers, and then her brother was taken care of. Yes. I will have to say I hated Sung Woo. And I know you and I have like differing opinions about this, but I have to vocalize it on the podcast. In particular, when... After he had slit Saibyuk's throat and Gihun turned around when the doors finally opened and the coffins came out because he had been banging on the door trying to get them to get medical attention when she was clearly bleeding out from her stomach area. Mm-hmm. Turns around, finds Sangwoo there. Clearly she, he had slit her throat. He was devastated that she had died. He went to her side and he ended up like getting up and grabbing his knife in his hand and was about to attack Sangwoo. Sangwoo also had his knife and was like about to attack him. And one of the guards ended up tackling Gihun onto the floor with his knee on his face. And you get a close up of his face. And then you get a close up of Sangwoo, who nobody came after him. They only came after Gihun. Which is interesting because they held him in, back. They held Sangwoo back. No, they didn't. Yeah, they it's only, aggressively. They held no, they Gihun back. They didn't hold Sangwoo back. And what was interesting too is that throughout the entire show, you don't see anyone being held back from killing another participant. Well, I think they didn't want to fuck up the last game. I don't you necessarily two people. You needed two people for the last game. What do you mean? But I think they intentionally did it though, because well, at least the filmmaker's perspective was like, I want to showcase because Sung Woo was very different from the rest, I think, of the category of people that were there. Sung Woo he was a white collar criminal. He was a white collar criminal. Like he had had it all. He was like extremely wealthy. He had gone to school. His whole thing was fraud, right? Like that's what he did. He did like a fraudulent thing and he got caught, right? So he was already from a very high class and was falling from grace. The difference was, is that like Gihun was already from like the slums and was just barely trying to make it. And so it's like, it's almost like this, for me, the imagery around like white collar versus blue collar workers of like, there's only so much that you're able to get away with as like a blue collar worker, as like one of like the ordinary parts of the masses. That's what that imagery like spun up for me. Um, and I thought it was very beautifully well done the way that they had the knee and they made it as, you know, me once again, media studies major, every frame matters. And the fact that they grabbed that frame of Gihun's face with the knee on his face, bringing him to the floor and you have Sangwoo still up, standing up, looking down at him. I thought that that was very powerful message too. I'm sure it did. I'm sure I know. I'm, I'm sorry. I'm sure that that was like part of it. But I didn't interpret it that way in the moment. I was just, I thought, oh, he's the one who's because he just killed his friend. It's fucked up. I'm wrong and all the emotions. But I thought it was more like just control the one that is attacking. But I'm sure, I'm sure you're right now that you're saying it like that. Yeah. Like there's, yeah, there's probably a reason for it. Um, 
but with that said, I mean, Sangwoo got it in the end, right? And and the fact that Gyun, I feel like the the overarching theme is like good will trump evil. I think yeah. that was like the actual message, right? Like Gyun, not that smart, a little bit of a disaster, kind of a deadbeat, not that good at games, but he was saved by Ali. He was saved by Sangwoo. He was saved by Onam. He was saved by all these things. He, yeah. he came out because good prevails over evil. That's kind of the way I took that. Um, I'm just so excited for season two. I'm a little like, what the fuck do you think you're going to do with a lot of like machine guns? Like, I don't know, but I think that he's going to become bad. I think that that's, they're going to do this. The only way they can take this, he's not going to be able to take that whole thing down. The police are never going to believe him. Also though, I think the police officer survived. Oh, maybe. And I think him and Gihoon are going to pair up in the second season. That's like my two cents because they don't show him actually dying. They show that he got shot in the shoulder. So I think he's, I think he's actually going to survive. Oh my God. Shit. Well, now I have to go fucking ponder this for a little bit, but regardless, interesting. I don't know. I'm interested. I can't wait. Netflix sponsor us. Sponsor the I know seriously. I will just sit here and just like watch Netflix original series and just give commentary and like that will be the end of our podcast. Like that's it. That's that, guys. <laughs> well, I think that's that. I think that's the best yeah. side of possible. Right. Um yeah, I love this show. Not gonna lie. Was it anxiety inducing a hundred percent? Was I like, did I have to get off my couch and start pacing across the floor in front of my TV in order to watch the rest of the like last two episodes? A hundred percent. Do I regret watching it? No, it was fucking amazing. Um, so highly recommend and I'm excited for really quickly. So excited for our next episode. However, did you watch it with subtitles? Or did you watch it with the voiceover? Forgot to ask subtitles. Okay, good. Yeah, That's fuck cool. that. I felt like y'all are fake outs who watch this shit dubbed. Get the fuck out of here. You have to watch it in the original language and you have to like read the subtitles. I'm 100% like subtitles when it comes to foreign like cinema. Okay, good. Just want to be clear about that. So that's our recommendation. Go watch Squid Game. Tell us what you think. Do you think the police officer lived? What do you think the red hair meant? Yeah. And we'll see you next fucking week. Yeah, we'll see y'all later. So there you have it. Thank you so much for joining us on The Beauty and the Brain. Be sure to join us next week for our next spin on intellectualizing our basic bitch interests. Be sure to join us and don't forget to like and subscribe so you never miss an episode. Tweet us at The Beauty and Brain and follow us at The Beauty and Brain Podcast on Instagram. Give us feedback. Tell us what you love, what you don't love. Let us know what topics you'd like for us to cover. And we'll talk to you all later. 